you know that the gifts that God has given you also preach the gospel? It's discovering what that gift is and then saying, how does this communicate the gospel? How can I use this gift in which God has given me for the empowering and for the communication of the gospel? Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. You guys can open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Tonight, uh, the title of our message is An Introduction to the Gifts of the Spirit. So we've been spending the last two weeks uh, pausing in chapter 12 to look at the Holy Spirit as, uh, as a whole. Um, he is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, omnibenevolent. It's all the, the attributes that is God. The Holy Spirit shares in that as, um, as the third person of the Trinity. But he's also the manifestation and active presence of God in the world and especially the church. So there's an indication from scripture that the Holy Spirit works. Uh, his work is to complete and to sustain what God the Father has planned and what God the Son has begun. And so for the last two weeks, we looked at who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and uh, last week I think we talked about the baptism of, with, in the Holy Spirit. How there's a subsequent work that can also take place called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is, uh, he's with all men and then he's drawing us to God before we're saved. As you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells us, regenerates our soul, we're brought to life in God. And there's also the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, where by asking, by praying, uh, we have access to this gift where the Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us uh, for service. And so those are some of the things that we looked at uh, more in length the last two weeks. And... Um, we're going to be introing into these gifts. And so we're going to look at the first three verses of this chapter. Um, we're going to move to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Some people ask, how many gifts are there? Uh, how do we know? How do I know what my gifts are? Which are legit questions. But first, we want to look at an introduction to them. And I'll explain how we're going to divide them up because there are multiple lists throughout Scripture as to what these gifts of the Holy Spirit are. Are. So verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of these spiritual gifts. That's kind of what he's beginning with. In First Corinthians or Second Corinthians 1, 8, it says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even for life. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, talking about the rapture and the coming of the Lord, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. And it's interesting that where Paul wrote with the intention of bringing clarity and knowledge to the church is often where the church is most confused and ignorant, right? These are some of the, like, the things that Paul writes specifically. I don't want you to be ignorant, meaning I don't want you to be oblivious to what this is. And a lot of times this is what the church is ignorant about, 
especially when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Not saying that I know everything about any of this or know all of these things, but we at Calvary Chapel, we welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. We are not cessationists, meaning that we don't neglect or push away or say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. We believe that they are active, that they should be used in the body of Christ, and um, we'll get to more of that later. So he begins by telling them truths they already know. He says to them in verse 1, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. To be a Gentile meant that you were outside of God's covenant. You were outside of God's promises. The word Gentiles is synonym for pagan or heathen. So if you weren't Jewish in the covenant of God, that God's covenant people were the Jewish people, you were... Gentile. Very good. Very good. Well, right on, right on. Ephesians 2 verse 11 says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is a definition of a Gentile. But also, this is who we are or who we were before Christ. Notice what he said, that we were without Christ. You were an alien, meaning you were not of the same family of God. That you were strangers from covenants and promises that were only gifted to those who belonged to the family of God. You had no hope and were without God. What a description of what it is to be without God. And Paul is making the point that this is what you once were. This is a great definition of it. Ephesians 4, verse 17 through 19, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness. How does this happen? What Paul just described, how does that happen in someone's life? But he says to him right here that you were carried away to these dumb idols. How does it happen? Well, it begins with idolatry. And we talked about a few weeks ago fleeing idolatry, what that means within our context as far as we don't really bow down and worship carved images anymore, but the correlation is the same. But idol worship was crazy in Corinth. It's crazy. They worshiped the goddess Aphrodite. She was the god of, a goddess of love, beauty, pleasure, and sex. The temple of Aphrodite became wealthy because of its 1,000 temple prostitutes. Who, who had been given uh, as an offering to the temple. So people offered their children to the temple of Aphrodite to be a temple prostitute. And that's how that city got so stinking rich. Isn't that sad? It's disgusting. It, it's, it's beyond what we could ever imagine. It's happening in, in our culture, but in a digital way. Okay, so we're not so far from ancient people. People have behaved like people since the beginning of people. Yeah. So when Paul calls them dumb, it's in reference to the fact that an idol who couldn't talk, that's what he's referencing. 
They would worship carved images that could not feel, hear, or walk. Psalm 115, David writes this, Why should the nation say, where is their God? Right? When, when Israel would get into trouble, the pagans would say, like, where is your God now? Right? There's this mocking or taunting that would come from them. He says, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel, feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. That's the key verse. Those that make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. When a person went to make an idol, he made it like himself, right? They would carve ears, a nose, a mouth, hands, because he would make an image of himself. But it was less than himself because it couldn't do any of those things. And it was a degrading thing and a deteriorate. Try it again. Here's what would happen. As they would make something like themselves, it was actually less than themselves. And in worshiping a lesser, they themselves began to deteriorate. Nailed it. <laughs> it was a degrading as a person as you worship something less than you. And we can think like, man, that's so sad and ancient. This is culture, people. This is the culture we live in. It is an idolatry-filled culture. And we know that because what they worship only degrades them more. It's a downward spiral because they worship the lesser than themselves. We become like that which we worship, David is making the point. The idol, it can't see, so you too become blinded to your own need for God. The idol can't hear, so you too become deaf to the voice of God. The idol, it can't feel, so you too become hardened in your heart and cold because we become like that which we worship. David makes the point. Therefore, he says in verse 3, Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of, or except by the Holy Spirit. He, he makes the point here that when people would speak out in a tongue, he, he's saying that someone who's speaking in a foreign language or in a tongue, they're not going to say something blasphemous of the name of Jesus because it doesn't correlate with the Spirit of God. The manifestation of the power of God that was seen in the person of Jesus, now living and working in inside us, his church, would never blaspheme or curse the name of Jesus. In the same token, no one calls Jesus Lord but by the Spirit of God. He's saying that it's the Spirit of God that has drawn us to him. It's identified us as one of his own. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It is the Spirit that gives me an awareness of my relationship with God. In verse 4, he begins to describe, he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. He lists nine different gifts here. He's going to list nine different gifts. Now, that's not all of the gifts. 
He's going to list these different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us as the church. But listen, not all of them are listed here. He goes on in verse 28 of this chapter. And he says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, and then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, all who workers of miracles. So he gives us these lists here in our text, and later in the chapter he gives another list. Both of them have different things on them. Ephesians gives us a different list. Romans gives us a different list. Each one has similarities, but yet all are different. It's okay. Don't worry. We're going to get through this. Just read your Bible. You don't have to worry about the screen. Just look down. Okay? He lists nine different gifts here. We have lists given in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. We have Romans 12, 6 through 8. And each of these lists has a variant in them, meaning a difference. Except most of them have the gift of prophecy listed. But each one has a different way of listing it. And none of the lists match with exception of the gift of prophecy. But before we go on from that point, let's answer the question. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? Because you're going to read some of these and be like, gift of healing, gift of prophecy, tongues, what in the world? Interpretation, what's going on here? What is the point? I don't know about you, but I ask myself that question all the time. Like, what is the point of all this, right? Anyone? Okay. So if you're at like a, a health seminar and they're like, it's good for your gut. And you're like, well, what's the point? What's the benefit here? What do I get out of the deal? Why should I do this? Why should I care? Um, anywho, same thing when you come to these, these parts of scripture. Like if, if these gifts are given and they're promised to the church, well, what is the purpose that God gives them to us? Because God doesn't just do things out of like, you know what would be a good idea today? I'm going to give people crazy gifts. Let's just... I was feeling generous today. Let's do that. There's a purpose and a reason in which God pours them out and extends them to the church. So the working definition that we're going to go from is they are given to the church to equip the church to carry out its ministry until Christ comes. They are gifts given to the church to equip the church to carry out its ministry until Christ comes. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7 it says, So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse suggests that the gifts are given for the period between the ascension and the return of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 13.10 says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. So at the return of Christ, these gifts will be superseded by something far greater. So when we talk about these gifts, these are only used within this age in which we see the ascension of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Here we are as the church. When Jesus comes back, these are stopped because these gifts are given, first of all, for the empowering of the church to preach the gospel. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The baptism and the gifting of the Holy Spirit is to preach the gospel. Now you're saying, like, I don't have, I'm not a good speaker. I'm not, I'm not gifted with the gift of teaching or speaking or remembering. Or any of you, I can remember any stupid movie line. In the world, I can quote to you Aladdin verbatim. 
but remembering chapter, verse, and what the Bible says, forget it. Like, it just doesn't work. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't have the gift, I'm super shy. Do you know that the gifts that God has given you also preach the gospel? You have the gift of helps, if you have the gift of compassion, that preaches the gospel. If you have the gift of administration, that preaches the gospel. It's discovering what that gift is and then saying, how does this communicate the gospel? How can I use this gift in which God has given me for the empowering and for the communication of the gospel? That does not mean that you have an escape on evangelism. You're like, I'm just here to serve bagels and that's gonna communicate the gospel. We have to open our mouth and say something. Please, we have to open our mouth and say something. Evangelism is not just for the pastor behind the pulpit. It is for every Christian, every Christ follower is called to be an evangelist. And guess what? You're not supposed to do it by yourself. You're to do it by the gifting and empowering of the Holy Spirit. So that's what it's first given for. It's for us to be empowered to preach the gospel. Secondly, it's for building up of the church. 1 Corinthians 4.12 says, Even so... You, since you are zealous for spiritual, for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Paul brings into, into effect here the motivation for these gifts. Why do you want these gifts? He says, let it be for the building up of one another. Because that's what it's for. Let's put aside anything else of like any other motivation. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about the body of Christ and for the building up of the body of Christ so that we would be a stronger body as we then go out into the world and where we are to preach the gospel. So whatever gifts that you're given, whatever way in which the Holy Spirit has come upon you and gifted you, it is for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. And it is wrong for you not to use it for that purpose. It would be a shame for you to not let that gift be known or to be used because I suffer and the person next to you suffers if you hold it back. Just as the hand benefits from the foot, what I take into my hand and I put into my, my mouth and eat, it benefits my entire body. My foot thanks my hand, but my hand also thanks my foot as it takes me to where the food is. You see what I mean here? <laughs> You're tracking, I can tell. <laughs> what, what is happening and what the imagery that Paul uses is the body. Every part of it has a, a specific job that when it is done correctly and used in, in the way that it's supposed to, the whole body benefits from it. In, in the way that the pinky, you don't think about your pinky unless it gets hurt or chopped off. Then you start thinking about it. But do you know how crazy this little thing is? It's insane. It's insane what these little pinkies can do. I can hold an entire bag of groceries with one pinky. <laughs> Two gallons of milk, bam, on my pinkies. Like that's incredible, but we don't think about it. So if you're like, well, I'm just this, or I'm that, that. You, the gifts that God has given you, listen, it plays a vital part and role in the body of Christ. And to not use it is to not build up and equip the body of Christ. That's what we need it for. It's for the building up of the church. And Paul encourages them in Corinthians 14, let it be excelled more and more. Seek out how you might serve 
one another. If you're in here tonight and you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with anxiety, you're struggling with just overall self-hate, start serving someone else. Find your purpose within the body of Christ and within the world is to not focus on you and what you don't have, but to focus on what God has given you and to use it for the, the empowering and for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why we're still here. If God was done with you, he'll kill you and take you to heaven. But until then, there's breath in your lungs, therefore you have a purpose, and it's to use the gifts that God has given you for the building up of the body of Christ, for the furtherance of the gospel. We all play a part in this. It's not just me, not just Zach, not just Kelly, not just Pastor John, although he could do it all by himself. But listen, <laughs> we are all vital parts of the body of Christ. That's why he uses this image. But thirdly, the equipping of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.12 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. Okay? For the equipping of the saints for what? For the work of the ministry. It is not my job to do the work of the ministry. Whose job is it to do the work of the ministry? It's yours. It's yours. So when you're like, well, the pastor will do it. No, 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 no. That's not my job. Although I'll do it. Nothing's beneath me. I'll do whatever. But listen, this is why we meet together. I'm not, I'm, listen, I don't need to be in front of people and talk. So I'm like, let's have a group so I have something to do. That's not what this is for. It is for your equipping. It is for you to be built up in your gifts. It's, been, it's for you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can do the work of the ministry. It's not just to satisfy some need for me to be in front of people and be the center of attention. That's not what it is at all. And it's not so I can just use my gift. It's so that you are empowered and equipped to use yours for the work of the ministry. But not only for, for, to, uh, for the equipping, but the gifts of the Spirit are a foretaste of what is to come. It's a foretaste of what is coming. Just as the Holy Spirit himself is the down payment of a fuller work of the Holy Spirit within us in the age to come, so the gifts of the Holy Spirit give us a partial foretaste of the fuller work of the Holy Spirit when Christ comes. So when you use your gift for the, for, for the building up of the church and the going forth of the gospel, guess what that does? It gives me a foretaste of what will come when Jesus is here reigning and ruling. It gives us a foretaste of what heaven will be like. Let me give you some examples. The gift of discernment, it prefigures the greater discernment that we will have at Christ's return. All those questions that we've had, like can God build a mountain that he can't lift, or what came first, the chicken and the egg, all these things, all of a sudden, boom, we know it all. The greater discernment will come. Gifts of knowledge or wisdom. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. It prefigures a greater wisdom that will come at the return of Christ. The gift of healing, it prefigures the perfect health in our new bodies that we get in heaven. Even the diversity of gifts in which leads to a greater unity within the body of Christ, right? That does not happen outside of the body of Christ. You've heard it a million times. It's our diversity that makes us special, or I forget how it goes. Our diversity makes us stronger. Do you know that that only works if Jesus is involved? 
Because diversity, if you're playing a sports team and everyone is wearing a different color, guess what? Diversity is your enemy. You don't know who's on your team. Uniformity actually makes you stronger. Just how the world works. Diversity within the body of Christ brings unity. Why? Because we're forced to depend on each other. We're forced to die to ourselves. We're forced to be humble. We're forced to get outside of ourselves and to serve somebody else. And so what's diverse in the body of Christ only unifies us more. But even the diversity of gifts, which leads to a greater unity with the body of Christ, is a foretaste of the unity that we will have with believers in heaven. Think about it. Every tribe, tongue, nation, singing in one accord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. From everywhere, from, from the beginning to the end, every believer in Jesus Christ singing the same thing. All diverse, all coming from different tribes. I love that, that the Bible says that specifically, tribe, tongue, nation. Meaning there is such a group of people that have nothing in, in common except one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, the one and only unifier. But back to this list of gifts that we were talking about. Now the point is, is that God did not list every single one perfectly in a certain order, right? Because God is a God of order, but he doesn't do that here. Why? Because each gift has a variant as a variant to it based on the person that it's given to. Now, this is cool. God is so creative, right? If you look around, you can notice that like, God's pretty creative. Just looking at the different hairstyles and colors in this room, you're like, God's creative. Y'all look different. And that's cool. I, yeah. <laughs> We're all different. And what's, it's incredible just to see the creativity of the Lord. But in the way that God gifts us, it's also creative. Because if you're given the gift of, let's say you're given the gift of helps, right here in the front row, first here. The way that serenity is gifted in the gift of helps is totally different than the way that you're gifted in the gift of helps. Because her personality is different. The way that I'm gifted in teaching is totally different than the way that Zach is gifted in teaching. Because we're two different people. The way that I'm gifted in music is totally different than the way that anybody else is gifted in the way of music. No, but you, you see what I'm saying? Every personality is a variant it is a variant of the gift that God gives. Someone who is quiet and shy but yet has this gifting, the way that they go about using that gift is totally different than someone who's not. That creates such a variety and such a diversity that if we were to list and go through all of the ways in which it's diverse, we would be here for eternity trying to study all of them. And so... It's, it's really cool, but these are all varieties of gifts, and they're all tokens of God's varied grace. But I think for our sanity, for our own sanity, for my own sanity, for you to keep coming back or wanting to come back, we're going to break them into three categories. Not tonight, but we're going to break them into three categories, and we're going to use the Old Testament offices to do that. That Jesus was and fulfilled the office of prophet, priest, and king. And so each gift falls under either the prophetic gifts, the priestly gifts, or the kingly gifts. And Jesus is the example of all of them. And so that's what we're going to be doing for the next three weeks, which, which the only person who ever was able to fulfill all these roles was Jesus. He is our great high priest, the book of Hebrews says. He is the king. 
He's the king over all, right? Matthew's gospel teaches us that Jesus is king. Also, Kanye. But I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he is the final prophet. He is the final word of God. He fulfilled all prophecy. He is the final prophet. And so when we look at these gifts, we're going to see how they fit into these three categories. So the next time that we're together, we will be talking about one of these three categories. Which one? I have no idea. But we will find out, or you will find out when we find out, because we're not sure um, yet. But we're going to stop there this evening. I think that's, that's plenty for us to chew on and meditate on. But I thought what we could do tonight, it's only 8.30. I thought what would be cool in a group this size is to take a minute to just pray with one another. Either the person next to you, the person behind you, just you two uh, in pairs. And take a moment just to pray, lift up each other's requests, and uh, to spend this little bit of time just praying for one another. And as you guys are finishing praying for one another, um, lifting what up, uh, lifting what up, lifting up whatever needs that other person may have. Listen, the intention is, is this. You are the body of Christ. And so... God has uniquely gifted you to minister to each other. It's not just the leaders. It's not just those who are, who are in, uh, in authority. God has uniquely gifted you to pray for one another. So if you can talk, you can pray. And if you know Jesus, then you can definitely pray. So however, we'll take the next five or so minutes, 10, and just to pray with one another. If you're uncomfortable, just, you know, bow your head and pray by yourself. <laughs> but listen, it, it, I know it's a little awkward, but just, just to branch out a little bit, pray with someone um, for the next few minutes and just to lift up that person's needs. And um, so, yeah, we'll just do that. Ready, set, go. Go.